This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com That could be a red. Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! Look a shot! Goal! post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Gets to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Exactly one month ago, we were closing February with back-to-back victories over Salford and Harrogate. Six much-needed points meant that Swindon were very much in touch with the playoff places. One month and five games later, however, have seen Swindon record zero wins and collect just three points out of a possible 15. Form that has all but ended any hope of promotion and another season in League Two awaits. Towns sit in 11th, 10 points adrift of 7th, and 9 points clear of 19th. Oof, I think that's just about enough of that. On the pod to discuss Swindon Town 0, Stockport County 1 is Abbott Dave. Hello Dave, and thanks for joining what feels like the graveyard shift of podcasting. <laughs> I think most of the times I end up on here, they usually are, to be fair. But it's it's nice in a in a like kind of rubbernecking on an accident on a motorway kind of vibe. It's 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 interesting. It it might be interesting. I I don't really know how to end that. Is it interesting? Are you interested? In in kind of like a morbid way, like how Mm. how bad can it get? In a way, it's like it's like they say the the Chinese proverb: "We hope you live in interesting times." And I mean, we obviously don't want to be too bad, but to say like we were there when we had our worst season ever, like that'd be something, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, I think the worst one of 83, 84 was my first season on this planet. So, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I entered the world to mediocrity. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's been a good week, though, for Swindon Town in terms of the bigger picture as the... uh, as the website confirmed and multiple resources sources confirmed that Swindon Town have confirmed the purchase of the county ground as part of a joint venture with Trust STFC. Contracts were signed and exchanged last month between the joint venture company, the County Ground Stadium Custodians Limited, and Swindon Borough Council with a deposit of 230000 uh, handed over. The sale price of £2.3 million has been paid in full with funding for the acquisition coming from the Nigel ED Trust. Dave, this is good news. Oh, absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's been well trailed, hasn't it? And it's, we've, we've, we've known this is coming for a long time now, but it, I don't think it can be overstated just how important a step is in the, the future of the football club in being able to turn the commercial operation around and like fund itself as a fully, seven day a week, 52 weeks a year entity and an enterprise and now owning that ground and having the the freedom to be able to develop it in ways that we couldn't before is a, is a great thing. And it's, it's good as well. Cause it, it just helps with the continuity of the site. Like we've, there's been football played there since I think 1890, isn't it? And that's a long time ago, and it's it obviously, and it's it's nice to just have that continuity going through the eras, and that it's going to continue at that site because you you lose that with the when you move grounds to the big shiny places on the edge of town, and you lose that touch with the past, and I think that's nice that we can keep that going forward. Absolutely, there was something very wholesome about listening to middle-aged men talk about how far the, the new town end will go back and what they're going to put on that site and it feeling like it really will happen. I know, it, it, it will. There's like The only thing that's stopping it now, and I, I say only, it's a very big thing, but it's, it's the funding of it all, but that's not insurmountable with the right, like the right commercial arrangements in place and it's just funding and will now, like the, like the well, I guess, and planning permissions and all that all that jazz and light access for the jobs worths in sorry not jobs worth in Shriverton Road the people who live there and would like to still have light going into their house battle <laughs> chestnut natural things. light mm. <laughs> but yeah no it's it can happen and like even I mean the the what's muted as the first step is the um it's the roof on the Stratton Bank isn't it but I imagine there'll be a lot of work and a lot of probably expensive work going on that we don't necessarily see, but just getting the skeleton of the ground up to 2023 standards is going to be a big old job in itself. So if we can get that, get that going and then we can really start to enjoy the ground a lot better, I think. For those who haven't got involved yet, you can go to www.votingshare.com for more information. Before we move on, from this of course and quite rightly so a lot of people uh, are getting plaudits taking a lot of credit for this but it's very hard to to look beyond the Nigel ED Trust who performed their duties immaculately over the last few years ensuring the funds were spent wisely yeah um because we all know 
we all know what the past owner was like and what the past owner would have done if the funds were there available to him. And so the fact they've been able to ring fence them. And I guess like reading reading into it more, being able to actually like liquidate his assets in the first place and get the value for them that can now be used to fund the purchase of the county ground. It's it's a fantastic effort and you kind of hope and expect that there'll be some kind of commemoration to Nigel Eady as things get developed and whatever that is, I guess that it's probably a they could do a lot worse than ask the trustees what um what would he would himself would have felt most beneficial. Um you see a, a lot of people say name the stand after him, but reading the um the article that was put on the um, website, the club website on Friday, a really touching article, but it sounded like he was a very um not not reserved, but didn't didn't want the limelight kind of kind of guy. And so whatever kind of commemoration is fitting for him would be best, but I'm sure there'll be something because he deserves it. Absolutely does. And I think that's a very good point. Uh, I like the idea. We were t- talking about this off mic a few days ago, and I, I like the idea of, say, something like the Legends being re- renamed Edies, you know, yeah. and it just it just has a nice bar name to it, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's an absolutely perfect um, bar name, but uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll come to something that works for everybody, I'm sure. Absolutely. Right. Well, we can't delay it any further. Um, another weekend of deep sighing. Uh, if you're a Swindon Town fan, let's go straight in with the starting lineup. Brinning, Goal, Hutton, Tomlinson, Blake Tracy and Brewitt at the back. Khan coming back with McEachran right next to him. Wakeling, Hepburn, Murphy, Williams and Austin completing the 11. Lavinier would come on for Austin at half time. Darcy would come on for the last half hour or so for Williams and then late subs for Clayton, uh, late appearances for Clayton, Jeffcott and Kaji. So I think the general consensus here, if everyone is fit, Lavinia aside, for what we have, for the pool of talent that we have, that's our strongest eleven. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that one bit. I think that's what I was saying before the match. Um, with what with the players that we've got at the minute, that's that's as strong as you can get. And I mean, you go back to last week, and one of the things that comes out loud and clear is just the lack of like bite and nous. Um, there was in the side and you bring in Blake Tracy and Khan and Tom Litton and that starts to rectify that a bit and it addresses some of those issues. Um, there's still obvious holes in that 11, particularly the further up the pitch you get. And that's just, I mean, we don't need to talk about it because it's been done to death, but that's just a, that's just slap bang. What's happened, the out, outcome of the recruitment that the club's done over the past like nine months. Um, but with what we've got at the minute, that's about as good as you can get, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to use my words very carefully because there will be listeners saying it's not a strong lineup. We're mid table in League Two, yeah. um, but strong doesn't necessarily mean fantastic, does it? It just means that from the pool of players that we have, it, it's, as, it's as good as we'll get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all relative. It's as, as good as we can put out. Not as good as you can get in this division. Well, we'll always look back on the first 33. Let's say 30 seconds with fondness, won't we? (laughs) Calm seas. Uh, Nothing can go wrong now sort of stuff. And then foul, penalty, sending off. Not quite game over. A lot of this discussion today or in this pod will be about the referee, Alan Young. No, not that one. And 
what impact he had on the theatre that <laughs> and the drama that was this game. But 33 seconds in, no complaints can be had. Although I've been thoroughly enjoying the defence of Jake Wakeling from some <laughs> Swindon fans over the last 24 hours, which I, I can only dream of having such rose-tinted glasses, but he's got to go. Oh, uh, no, absolutely. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't understand how anyone could suggest otherwise apart from just out of pure hope. It's, it's the jeopardy. It's the double jeopardy thing that, that yeah. people were initially clinging on to. Yeah, and I thought, I thought that at the time as well, but it's, yeah. you have to be making a genuine attempt to play the ball, don't you? And not just running as fast as you can into the back of the attacker. <laughs> I saw one Swindon fan telling everybody to slow the footage down and, and to see that it's clearly not a foul in which one of those League Two sort of accounts has done exactly that and it's more a foul than it has ever been. Yeah, it's getting into conspiracy status here, isn't it? All in good fun, all in good fun. And, you know, it, it is one of those rules where you kind of go, come on, ref, it's 33 seconds in, just... Give a yellow. No one's going to complain. They've got their penalty. Let them have the yellow um, and move on. I, I thought it was going to be just a yellow, and it caught me by surprise, but not by outrage. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. Oh, God. Not a great way to start a game of football. No, and I mean, I did think at the time, considering he has come through the, the ranks as an attacker, I can't imagine there'll be too many instances in his youth career and in training where he will have been defending against his own goal as the last man. So I do have a bit of sympathy with him for not like fully dealing with the situation as well as he could have. Um, but I mean, in that situation, you just, you back the goalkeeper, don't you? You don't do anything stupid and you think it's a, it's a fourth tier striker. So there's a better than average chance that this doesn't go in or you go, okay, we've got 90 minutes to claw a goal back with 11 men rather than, taking the gamble down to 10. It's just, just one of those things. Let him shoot. Um, it, it, it's kind of, you kind of feel sorry for Wakeling because Tomlinson's slip is yeah. why Wakeling is the last, is the last man. A lot of people comment on why is Wakeling the last person? And also why is this chance happening after 33 yeah. seconds? And and the second one really is when I've watched it back, I must say not with too much of a, of a fine tooth comb, the forward's first touch is quite poor. Well, that kind of triggers the events that that result in him bun- being bundled over. So, yeah, it, it's one of those ones. Just let him shoot, let him score, and then and then see what we do. Because we'll, we'll find that Stockport wasn't their greatest game of the season, I'm sure. But up stepped Paddy Madden. And where do you stand on run-ups for penalties? Um, I think you need to be very purposeful. And I'm a yeah, old-fashioned six, seven paces and just put your foot behind it, not the um, what he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paddy Madden obviously sent off uh, in, the, in the game earlier in the season in the league when we drew 1-1, changed the game. Uh, but this one was saved by Bryn. Nice save. I think I think I even said oh, he's missed this in what felt like an eternity of his yeah. run-up. But the biggest highlight of the penalty he missed would, had to be Fraser Blake Tracy's desperate attempt to not encroach after stumbling into the box. And I kind of thought, oh, no, I hope they're not going to get a retake on this. Uh, I'm sure the rules 
show that that wasn't ever going to be the case. But him trying to stay and failing miserably was very funny. And also the save was very good. Yeah, the whole the whole first <laughs> 10 minutes was a perfect encapsulation of how, how desperate fourth-tier football can be as a <laughs> Yeah, and and we both we both share the opinion of we had a terrific time in the first five minutes. Yeah. I was tremendously entertained. It was lovely. The best football's at its best when it's pure pantomime, and that five minutes was he's behind you, throw some sweets in the crowd level pantomime. <laughs> yeah, I, I really really enjoyed it, and and it was the momentum was was continued by Swindon going forward. Just a minute later. Yeah. Rashan Hepburn Murphy bundled over. Um, it, it, it's a big moment for the contact is contact merchants because they're furious. They're saying that's a penalty, but oh, Helen Young, he doesn't agree, and the yellow card is given in the ground where I was sitting, which is not the greatest angle in the world. It looked like a dive. I don't think it was a dive. I think there was contact, but there, a lot of people aren't aren't. Don't readily easily admit this, but there is a middle ground between contact, foul, penalty, and dive. And it was just one of those where there is a bit of incidental contact, but I don't think it's enough to be a penalty. But Hepburn Murphy probably was within his rights to fall over about it. And I think the yellow card for the dive was very harsh. But I also think that the decision not to give the penalty was probably the right one. And I mean... This was like this was this was the crowd at, at pure angst at this point, wasn't it? This was like turning it up to eleven because it felt there's you get a vibe, don't you? Sometimes where it's like, oh, we're the underdogs here, and that gets everyone up and going. But and I kind of kind of twig that oh, we're the underdogs at home to Stockport, and <laughs> it brings it back down to earth a little bit. Then the game just went from glorious pantomime to. Stockport being in control for about 10, 12 minutes in control, but not really threatening too much. They had some lovely first touches and and you could get this sense that if they're cooking on gas, then they're probably quite frightening. Yeah. But it it never felt perilous. I'm not, I'm I'm not going to sort of stick the boot in on Stockport here. There's no doubt in my mind that the Stockport fans in the ground were watching that quite nervously because it didn't feel like eleven versus ten for large parts of this game. I think you're right. There's a that first ten minutes. I think we kept a similar defensive shape, and Stockport did threaten to cut us open, but never quite got there with the final pass. And I don't think they really troubled Bryn too often. But it's then once we shifted and to um, a back three, uh, we looked a lot more steady. And to be fair, the, the Second half of the first half, if that makes any sense, it felt like a broadly even game. It was yeah. much of a muchness, really. Yeah, not an entertaining game, no. but an even game. A huge sort of changing point for the half, really. Just before it happened, Jack Copland is seen behind the goal talking to Sol Brin, and then shortly afterwards he goes down injured. It's a key moment in the half because Swindon really do settle and look far more comfortable for the remainder of that half, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and I'd love to know what Copland said. Maybe I mean you can get your you can throw in some more conspiracy theories, can't you? Um sit down, pretend you're injured so that we can reorganise. Or what if he just did start to hurl abuse and Bryn was genuinely upset and needed just a bit of comfort? We don't we don't know. So I think yeah. that's it's one we need to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. Um 
but it definitely helped, didn't it? And it's that kind of those kind of dark arts, um, inverted commas, but that just that gamesmanship and game management resettle, put go to back three, Blake Tracy, Brewitt, Tomlinson, and have Hutton and Hepburn Murphy almost as wing backs come midfielders. They're ba- basically the width in the side. Um and the width and the pace and try and try and use those as your attacking outlets. And it, it definitely helped to um, tidy things up a bit. Yeah. The, the rest of the first half really did feel like it was all about the anti-referee narrative. And it really began to ramp up at one stage when Blake Tracy collided with Crowsdale. Mm. And you'll hear in the, in the, in the horse commentary that Blake Tracy looked to be in some pain, but I can assure you from the Don Rogers Blake Tracy makes a miraculous recovery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Yeah, another correct decision. But I think what people wanted was the, the, it to be brought back for a booking for Crowsdale, but it wasn't. It wasn't a. It wasn't a yellow. No, I don't think it was. I, I, I mean, um, this is going to be timely, but the the soon to be um, retired Soccer AM used to have a feature where, like, Hallelujah, where players are spring up after being <laughs> appearing to be dead one minute and then back up on their feet rearing around the next and Blake Tracy would have been prime candidate for that in that instance because I know exactly what you're talking about and he, he was he was definitely trying to game something there yeah and I'm, I'm having a little bit of fun here because we'll talk about the overall performance of Alan Young but it wasn't as bad as what a lot of people are saying, in my opinion. The next one was a shirt tug on Rashan Hepburn Murphy. And this is where I think Paddy Madden could have been booked for that. No, I agree. Um, it's, it's it's a counter-attack, isn't it? And if he's not yeah. got his shirt tugged, he's probably got a much better angle for the through ball. Um, and in the end, we have to turn back and start to build up again. So I think that's definitely one that was missed. The, the rest of the first half isn't that entertaining other than talking about moments where we think players might have been booked. Well, Johnny Williams tangled with Connor Evans. It's hard to decide who instigates that. And that's probably why he played on. Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the IRA, IRA <laughs> which I think probably is is coming from a bit of truth. It's just the inconsistency in some of the decisions. Um, and I mean, jumping around the timeline, but there was the Bryn got, as a perfect example, was Bryn getting yellow carded for his time wasted in the second half. And once Stockport went one up, they were doing just as much of that and had no kind of, like nothing, nothing coming of it. And similar with these like kind of 50-50 challenges where it, it's some of some of it did appear that the whistle was being drawn quicker on Swindon than it was on Stockport, but I mean, I don't think he's the guy's not doing it deliberately. The guy's the guy's an amateur surrounded by professional athletes and nine thousand people, and he's doing his best. And like it's to say, like I, th- I, I th- you just kind of you just have to accept that referees at this level aren't very good, and you can't use that as an excuse. You have to as a as a side. You have to just deal with that. And sometimes we're better than that or the others. And I don't think we did particularly well at that on Saturday. And it from a fan perspective, it just contributes to the theatre of it all. And it's it is part of the it, getting getting angry at strangers is part of the reason why we like football, isn't it? And referees are kind of the prime baddie. 
So it's always gonna it's always gonna happen. But I think when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, these are just amateurs that just aren't quite equipped to <laughs> do a perfect job. Well, I mean, this is Terry's argument. You know, professional multi million pounds industry, and you're having amateurs officiate. It just does not make sense, does it? But before the half is out, oh. The perfect ball from Rashan Hepburn Murphy to Austin. It's as close to going to feet as you would want it. And he just doesn't get to it. And you have this moment where you want it to be 2009-10 Charlie Austin. But we got 2023 Austin, which is a bit weird saying that because he scored four goals last week. <laughs> but at the county ground, that's that's very much what we've been seeing in recent weeks. And it was just all very, well, it was a big sigh that moment. Yeah, he looked very old in that minute, didn't he? He kind of wanted the roles to be reversed then in Austin playing in Hepburn Murphy because he'd have had the pace to get away um, and at least had a shot on target which or a shot on goal, which was um, missing. But that was probably the bright spark of... That was, this is going to sound really bad, but that's probably our best chance of the whole game, wasn't it? And I don't think well, we, we didn't even, have a chance. That like, was our... <laughs> I don't think we even, I don't think Austin even had a touch of it in the penalty area, but it's still the best opportunity we had. Oh, it's just a delightful through ball. And it, those moments for Hepburn Murphy, which show why he was in an elite academy for so long and he had so much potential England youth caps, those moments, mm. that, those glimpses that we see. Like it's the the duality of Hepburn Murphy is that through ball, and then the the instance in the second half where he's kind of got the defenders on the hop, and if he takes one touch, he can be in and through on goal. But he kind of dilly dallies and runs around in a little circle, and then the chance is gone. Um, I kind of I see him as he can be a bit of a wild card, I think, factor. But I mean, hopefully, he can develop a bit more over the summer. Don't mind wild cards. Um, rejoice across the county ground as Rydell was booked. For a foul, um, but Swindon wasted the free kick, which wasn't quite good place. Hutton couldn't get it past the wall, and that was it. Nil nil half time. Happy days. Now, during the warm up, as you see all the subs every game, you see them warming up. Lavinia wasn't doing that with the other subs, so it was clear that someone was coming off, and it turned out to be Charlie Austin. There have been some mild rumours of possible discontent in the tunnel I don't know how true those are but if if someone told me it was purely because Austin looked way off it then I'd firmly believe that there was just no no running from him and that's I mean that's to be expected given where he's at in his career now but when you're in that situation with 10 men you need 10 men to do the running of 11 and we had 10 men doing the running of about eight so I completely understand why you why you'd um, replace him for Lavinia and put Hepburn Murphy up front. And at the time, I thought that would have led to more kind of balls over the top of Hepburn Murphy's chase and to use his pace, but never really came to that um, in the second half. But it definitely, like, tactically was was the right decision, I think, as far yeah, as the game like was going. Swindon were happy just to allow how it was playing out to continue in that way in the second half because we didn't turn it up. We didn't need to. I think a point at this stage would have been fine given the sending off and that the season is already tail spinning anyway. And I expected more from Stockport in the second half, like real hitting us. I mean, they 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 have the option really to 
destroy us this weekend. And it just feels like they just stuck to the initial game plan, which of course worked eventually. But it just it just seemed so comfortable for Swindon in terms of the lack of danger. The second half starts a couple of a uh, couple of yellow cards for Stockport. Joe Lewis, who came on late in the first half, he did a late tackle, his late tackle on Khan and Kyle Noyle was booked. He he, he looks good still, doesn't he? Kyle Noyle, um, a bit of a pest at times, but but he looks like he's he's doing just fine in the football league. He slid in on Bryn, and that was one where again it just allowed the theatre of uh, of outraged home fans to try and get the referee to even things out because that's what it's all about. I'm I'm not yeah. sat here talking to you, Dave, going oh the bunch of idiot football fans that don't know the rules I love it I think you know you've got to make an impression on the referee and those sort of noises that that fans make across football is what's needed sometimes for the referee to go do you know what there you go no one's going to tell me off for this and get him sent off but alas it we just couldn't get it done no he's, <laughs> you, you try don't you you try Kyle Noyle is he the most forgetful player of the year that we've ever had. Did he get player that he was our player of the year? Yeah. I don't think yeah, he, I don't, player, yeah, yeah. Are you sure he got player of yeah. the year? Yeah. Just looked it up now. 2018-19 I think it was. I know he was ours. Did he not get young? Was he the ad for player of the year? I think that's Bouncy, isn't it? For all those goals. Yeah. Uh winning the club player of the year. Club player of the year. There you go. That's uh yeah, that's that's not the 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 one that they all want, which is the Adver one, the the longest running one. But he was my player of the year. I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah, I just thought he was solid, but he's had a nice little time of it. But yeah, he does look a bit like a. I remember him being a bit. Um, he was still he was quite young when he joined us, wasn't he? And he's clearly matured a bit as a right back, and he's a lot more niggly now than I remembered him being. Um, but yeah, I don't think that was a red card. His little sliding on Bra- uh, uh, Bryn. He was he was trying to escape it he, from the from the minute he kind of started to go to ground. You could see that he'd gone. Oh, this is a bad idea, and he's trying to get out. <laughs> bad um, ideas get people sent off. Ask Jake Wakeling. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, fifty yeah, fourth minute was a moment that you've already mentioned, and it was really sublime stuff again by Hepburn Murphy, whose turn destroys Chris Hussey and Joe Lewis, but the split second that he has to decide what to do next is just not very good, is it? And at the time, it looked terrible. But when I watch the highlights, he really doesn't have much time to get his foot in immaculate. You know, we always sit from the stands expecting them to do the the perfect, (laughs) the perfect decision, don't we? But Stockport generally over the 90 minutes were very good at swarming, very good at closing down attacks and yeah, it, it just didn't look great. But to Hepburn Murphy's defence, he didn't have long to make that decision. It, at the time, it felt like just shoot, <laughs> just just now, now yeah. shoot, it's it. But um, alas, again, it's a lot of alasses in this game. Uh, but just to have a shot on goal would have been nice. Yeah, and I think it, it kind of sums up how we approached attacking in the game. And I've seen like the, a lot of the feedback afterwards seems to be a bit kind of 50-50 in, yeah, we did well to hold out and draw out as long as we did versus having zero shots, even with 10 men, isn't 
isn't acceptable. And I can I can see both arguments. And the attacking approach that we did take wasn't there wasn't really any structure to it. It kind of was just get the ball forward as quickly as possible and hope that whoever's furthest forward does something with it. And it's a lot of pressure to put on Hepburn Murphy in that instance to basically be the whole attack. Um, And so, yeah, like you say, he kind of did what he did. And Stockport, their their strength is built on their defence in a a lot of ways. And they're always going to be difficult to kind of walk through. They're not, there are no mugs back there. So... Yeah, like you say, they he was always up against it in that instance. I was a big fan of Akil Wright because very strong defender, but he found himself quite advanced on occasion and the get rid of the ball as soon as he could at every time. You know, he didn't do anything wrong, but I was just like, that is a man who plays at centre-back or whatever who is having a nosebleed right now. Unlike our very own Fraser Blake Tracy, who at one stage during the game was essentially a centre forward. It was great. Yeah, Fraser Blake Tracy loves it. What I've noticed he does a lot when he gets the ball is he'll just get the ball and then he'll go on a run, but horizontally, not making any progress up the pitch. So like, if you if you watch him next time, try and keep track of how many instances that goes on. Um, I think it's a, it's a little little habit he's got. Um, but he does love getting forward, doesn't he? When, he? when he's not got the ball. Yeah. Yes, indeed. It, it, he is just so much fun to watch when he's when he's even when it's farcical. It's just he's just he's just great fun. Um, Fraser Blake Tracy, and it's mostly not farcical, but yeah. <laughs> then there's three minutes, Dave, where I can't really defend Alan Young too much because it's just that chain of events where I can feel sorry for him, but I can't really defend him because he books old Brin for time wasting, and I. I I think that's the first big mistake he makes in the game. And after an hour, um, I don't think that was needed at all. I don't even think he was time-wasting at that stage. I think he had a couple more in the tank, really, in relation to that. And then a minute later, Khan loses possession. He wants a foul. Stockport surge forward. Brewitt tracks back really well to stop Wooten. Uh, Williams then picks up the ball, but a poor touch ends up in him putting in a rash tackle on the Stockport midfielder, which results in Williams getting a deserved yellow card. And then Jody Morris is booked too. So then it, things just get a little bit tribal, don't they? And we, you know, stand up if you hate the ref and you're getting sacked in the morning. And it's just one of those moments where it just, it started to get a little bit silly. Yeah, the the yellow card for time wasting was... I, I completely agree with you. I think that was far too soon. And I mean, I don't think the, I think we, the, the, the ball boys and the ball girls have been given specific instructions to not rush. So if anything, that yellow card's on them more than salt written. Um, the, the second, the passage of play you talk about, the, the one that starts with Khan. So I think, I think if anything, we got off lightly in that passage. Cause so I think Khan has made a meal of, what's a fairly innocuous challenge. So I don't think there's anything wrong with playing on there. And then when Bruitt has won the ball back in a very agricultural way on the edge of the penalty area, um, very aggressively tackling and like rocking around the, the Stockport player. So another, I mean, another ref in another situation, another scenario could have easily given that as a foul. And then, yeah, Johnny Williams, I mean, he's... He's just dived in late to a challenge that he's never going to get to, so it's a clear yellow card. <laughs> I mean, okay. and everyone, like you say, everyone's everyone's hackles are up then, and there's um, 
all out all out for the ref at that point. But it's just that's just a bit of the panto of it all. Um, it's what you get. It's what you go for a lot of the time, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, and it was funny. The game really does take a nosedive in terms of entertainment after that, though. It's just plodding towards a nil-nil. Swindon aren't creating chances. Stockport aren't making the most of the numerical advantage. Fans are too focused on bemoaning the referee, despite it being very, very funny. It felt like a May game, really, at this stage. Yeah, it's just just a dead rubber. They're all dead rubbers now. So you just try and get as whatever enjoyment you can out of the ninety minutes, and on on Saturday that enjoyment was in in playing the victim, and I don't mean that in a bad way. No. I think um, that's a huge part of what it is going to football matches sometimes to feel like the world's against you because then if you can turn it around, it feels all the more sweeter. It just just so happens that we weren't able to turn it around and petered out petered out to a loss. It's one of the worst games of the season, entertainment-wise, if we don't have that angst towards yeah, referee, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. It's a terrible yeah. game for us as 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 an audience um, if we don't have that instant outrage against Alan Young, which you know I'm sure he doesn't want. To, he doesn't want that. But for me, it wasn't a good game of football. It wasn't entertaining, and the thing that really kept it going was the fans bemoaning the referee. So the decision she made made it a far better experience to watch and that is saying something because far better is doing a lot of heavy lifting there <laughs> yeah that wasn't yeah <laughs> nothing nothing on the crowd nothing on the pitch was getting you off the seat wasn't it? absolutely was not um just under 10 minutes to go so it's the big it's the big moment of the game unfortunately and it starts with the question of whether Carl Noyle should have seen red, really. He got his yellow card earlier for that tackle on Brim. Stockport won a foul after uh, Khan gets the ball back from Crowsdale. Khan's passed it to Bruitt. Bruitt gives it to Blake Tracy, who hits a long ball to McEachran. That results in a shove by Kyle Noyle. And it's not a yellow card on its own, but in an accumulation of fouls, I think there's an argument there that he could have got a second yellow. Did did you think there was a chance that he, it wouldn't have been an outrage if Young gave him the the red card? Uh, I I see what you mean in terms of the totting up, but I think it would have been very soft, and I think it would have. I mean, there's there's ways and means you can go about trying to even it up, and I think that would have been <laughs> a bit more on the obvious side. Well, is there anything more Swindon Town of the 2022-23 season? than conceding a goal from your own attacking free kick. So Town Faf from the free kick that Noyle had committed, or the foul that Noyle had committed, and it's cleared via a miss kick from Joe Lewis, sort of spins and falls perfectly for Ryan Rydell, who powers forward. Poor old Ronan Darcy, who's only been on the pitch for a few minutes. He can't keep up with him. Rydell's cross finds Crowsdale, who scores... uh, Incidentally, looking back, Stockport might have even got a penalty if he would have missed uh, due to Khan tangling with Jack Stratton. Uh, probably for the best that that didn't happen because I think the county ground yeah. would have spontaneously combusted there, there and then. And um, that was that. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's ironic in a way where we were so cautious and conservative that the one time we do send we sent Bruitt forward and we sent sent players forward to 
try and do something in the Stockport penalty area and then that ends up happening. I don't know, like, I don't know who to, who you really point the finger at. Obviously, Blake Tracy's cross was a poor one. I don't know why him and Hutton are playing it side side by side to each other. I think of that, like, you've got, you've got your centre-back in there, get Blake Tracy in there. All you're doing is playing for second balls, really, at that point, to just try and like pinball, pinball a goal out of nowhere. But we just, I don't know, it was a bad decision-making, I think. I don't know why Blake Tracy's trying to put a cross in from just inside his own half. Um, and, yeah, we're just completely caught flat-footed on the break. It's a very lucky deflection um, for them to... Starting away, I think does, does Tomlinson slip again? I don't know. I can't remember. I think so. I think someone slips as we're trying to get back, which is partly why um, the guy's so clear in the first place. And Darcy's just running in treacle, trying to catch up with him. Which I mean, just just not much more to say than that. Um, just just a bit of a a bit of a. It's just a bit bit of an anno- annoying one that. We can be so resolute for so long, and Stockport can kind of not look like they're offering anything, and then we just give away such a sloppy goal. Yeah, I couldn't believe how nervous they seemed—not necessarily the players, but the fans. You know, I, I thought they had a great away following, but they were very quiet, and not in that sort of tribal sense, like is this a library sort of um, yeah. sort of aspect. But when you saw how much they celebrated when the red card and the penalty was given. Like we're talking borderline limbs, and then they were having fun for about ten minutes after, and then slowly but surely, I think they come to the realization that nothing's really changed. And I think I I wouldn't be surprised if there were Stockport veteran fans sat in the articles going, "It would not surprise me if Swindon score with their only shot of the game." (laughs) And then that yeah. happens and then they're jubilant for the rest of the game. Perfectly understandable. We, we did a triple sub on 84 minutes and it, it involves like Jeff Cott coming. I don't even remember Jeff Cott touching the ball. I, I just, no. I, how how does a, Jeff Cott's not worked. I, I won't retract how excited and how happy I was when he signed. What's the point of having somebody who plays in the way he does if you're not going to utilise it? And what's the point of bringing on if we're not going to play football in the way that Jeff Cott's going to score goals or even get close to scoring goals, it's you might as well bring Rock and Robin on. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it makes no sense to me. I mean, unless you're unless you're preserving players' fitness for you know the long trip to Hartlepool, where I'm imagining Swindon players across the squad are desperate to pull up in training next week. We were so hapless, and you're just watching it, and you, you think, well, me, no, nothing's going to change, um, and no. nothing did change. No, and it's because uh, what there was nothing, no, no options on the bench to do anything different. And I completely agree with what you're saying about Jeff Cott. He's he's very similar in his style to Charlie Austin in how he like he's he's a he's a goal he's a penalty area striker, isn't he? Um, and you can't have two of them playing. And when he did play, we never played to his strengths anyway. So it's it's a loan that's not worked. But on the Saturday, that those those three subs were just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. Um, just they're trying to make a change for the change's sake. But it's just it's just the reality of the situation that the squad's not there. The squad's not good enough. Um, Jeff Cott isn't a, an option to 
do anything in that kind of situation. And if it's a if it's a straight fight between Jeff Cotton and Austin, then Austin's going to win every time. And Kaji doesn't look good enough. Kaji looks like the 2023 edition of Canis Carroll. Um, Clayton is coming back from injury, but like he's a he's a centre back, and you can interchange those fairly straightforward. And he's not been in great form. Um, Darcy isn't anything different than what we already had on the pitch and he isn't any better more uh, to the point than what we had on the pitch and you look at the bench and like to the point of we didn't attack enough and we didn't set up to try and be more attacking even with 10 men but we don't have the players to (laughs) and we didn't have the players to change anything off the bench and so I think it's just just the reality of where the squad is and what the players that we've got available are capable of doing yeah, Darcy's been getting the treatment that Tom Clayton's been getting. I would probably argue that Darcy has been a little bit more marmite over the last few months than 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 maybe expected, given the start of the season where he looked all right. Um, but he's been constantly being used as this impact with half hour to go sub, where you like, it's all right, lads, here comes Darcy, and then nothing happens. Yeah, I I I'd be honest, I've. I don't see what what Darcy offers. I think he's like he seems like a very honest, willing pro, and he's obviously young, and there's plenty of time for him to improve. But I don't see a player of the standard that we should be relying on if we wanted to achieve anything in this division. I think most people expect a move to Crawley at the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> just just yeah. lazy predictions that never felt more right. Um, but we'll soon find out because he is contracted. There was still time for one more attempt to get somebody sent off right at the end of the game. Um, the worst melee I've ever seen. I really do love a melee too. Wooten was booked <laughs> for... Now, I'm right at the other side of the ground. So I'm in the Don Rogers and I see like Kaji livid. Lavinia not happy. McEachran on the ground. You, you even hear Andrew Halls, if you watch the highlights back, sort of saying like he's had, he's had a go with someone who's on the ground. And then a yellow card is eventually... And then you watch the highlights, Dave, and it's three of the most piddly pokey nibbles <laughs> that you've ever yeah. seen mate again some people say it's still intent but i was like oh <laughs> come on i was expecting like studs or something but it is like a little dink 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 nothing more and that's that full time it was just annoying because i just wanted to go home at that <laughs> oh, point god yeah yeah <laughs> it's just like it's, it's just like it's just the dark hearts isn't it like he's he's done enough to wind people up and waste a bit of time but not enough to get any serious trouble out of it so yes indeed okay well post-match Jody Morris said it was frustrating because of the beginning and the ending I think his general views reflect what most of the fan base were saying what we all saw of course he was frustrated with the officiating said that he wasn't happy with the way Swindon were on the ball and well, what can you do when you're, when you're down to 10 men so early? But there's, there's a little bit of discontent emerging. Nick saying here, uh, should have got Artel, not convinced by Jody Morris. What chance, though, does he have, though, with Genia Sandro and Clem's buy-in of this awful model? Hopefully lessons have been learned from this car crash of a season yet. Adair says, have to feel for Jody Morris today. He's finally able to play a reasonable eleven. And that happens after 60 seconds. Similar vibes to Newport away. Let's hope Clem sees sense and does away with Sandra Di Michele. I won't renew if Di Michele is here for summer recruitment. So as it stands, Scott Lindsay's form at Crawley 
is better than Jody Morris's form at Swindon is a bit of a moot point because you can't compare the two. And it's quite clear that the HMS STFC Piddle League 2 was scuttled in January. But are we too lenient on Jody Morris at the moment? I, I feel like, as we've said constantly on this pod, it feels like we're in the Richie Wellens first season where he's inherited a side that's not his and therefore we'll judge him on the following season. But on the flip side, if he's not got full control, what changes? You know, what what, what changes with the head with the head coach if if he doesn't have the players that he wants to sign? Um obviously he has an input. Yeah. And this conclusion that we're encountering now felt inevitable long before Scott Lindsay left also. So I'm gonna yeah. stand by Jody Morris. Ew. It's 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 gonna be a grim tail end of the season if we don't pick up a couple of wins. It will be. It will be. I think I agree wholeheartedly. I think we'd be no better off had we kept Lindsay than we are now. Um, and I think the the signs were there at the time. And the issue the issue is just the squad that we've got is, and the the coaches that we've got are they're they're hamstrung. And I was saying this. I was saying this back in October. The issue was. The, I'm not, not trying to blow my own horn, but it's it's this it's squad weakness first over manager weakness, and I think what we need from Morris between now and the end of the season is setting the groundwork for a successful season next year and showing signs that he can achieve something and does have skills as a as a head coach, and I think. I think the way he comes across in his interviews, and I think the sh- the tactical shifts that he makes in his game uh, during while the game's on, sorry. So going to the back three for, on Saturday is a perfect example. I think those those are signs which show that he is switched on enough and he is tactically astute enough to do something. And I think, I mean, I think we're all accepting that McEachran is a signing that's come in through him. And he looks like a fantastic player. So on that, on I mean, it's an incredibly small sample size, but on recruitment, he looks like he could bring something to the table. And so it's just what can we, what can we do for the rest of the season to set the groundwork in place so that we can go into twenty three, twenty four, and have a successful season. So what can we do, like in terms of getting his ideology through the club? Because we've got, we still have quite a lot of. Um, more than usual players contracted for next season, and although I think some of them aren't good enough, I think you've still got like Hutton, Blake Tracy, Tomlinson, Khan, and I throw in Wakelin as well. I think they all have the ability to be good contributors to a side who are challenging at the top of this division. And so, what can we do in these remaining nine games? to set these up next year, whether that's in style of play, whether it's in basics, like what we do, how we approach set pieces or how we like embed the culture within the club um, behind the scenes and get that going. And I just pray that we've got Jody Morris with all of his experience of, uh, of Chelsea at Derby of, and all the contacts it'll build up through that, and Ed Brand as well. Just use them. Use them in the summer. 
he's got they've got to have much more experience and uh, much more contacts and much better contacts than Sandro and that's not even trying to have a dig at Sandro it's just the reality of the respective backgrounds so lean into that and use that and I don't particularly care if it means Sandro stays or goes but if we're not using Jody Morris and Ed Brand to help get talent in over the summer then part of me is thinking why have we employed them in the first place Mm, quite yeah and and although the sentiment is there it's still too early to start sort of fielding Dwarzak Kanu Hart and Fletcher Hubbard or anything like that isn't it it's it's just still a little bit too early for that yeah it is um I, I don't know what you what you gain really from doing that I mean, I'm, I'm, I have a slightly different outlook on this kind of thing. I think there's a reason why these players, these youth players don't make the first team. And I don't think that giving them a start against insert Northern League two side here is going to make any particular difference to their careers. So yeah, if there's, if there's, if there's something there in their ability, then maybe, and you think that they can be contributors to the side next season then start to fold them in now but otherwise I think yeah <laughs> probably not the the warmest sentiment but be a bit be a bit blunt and cynical <laughs> well let's let's finish with some uh, listeners contributions and then man of the match Gav Brown says beaten by another deeply mediocre team in a league of endless dross decent performance in trying circumstances Holly says hard not to moan about the ref, especially when a Stockport fan says to your mum on the way out, the ref cost you that. Mr. Reeves says, chucked a point away there. A common theme as we are masters of our own downfall, just like against Carlisle. Can't argue with the pen and red, but did think we should have had a pen on three minutes. Craig says, ref got the sending off right, but everything else wrong. Battled hard but not having a single shot on target is unacceptable. Batch says, valiant effort, quite lively in the stands atmosphere. Wise, ref-induced, no effective attacking, three wins from 12. One of those was Gunning's team. Morris makes the right noises, could be long-term good, but ultimately he has work to do to prove himself. That comes in the summer. Carly Embling says, I didn't feel that we deserved to lose. We fought really hard to keep ourselves in the match. Hepburn Murphy was fantastic. Unlucky not to get man of the match, but agree that Fraser Blake Tracy was completely deserving. Great to see him back. I feel that without the red card, we would have won today. Bernie Mann says game was over in the first minute. Did well to keep it at nil-nil, but the tiring was inevitable. Morris has very little to play with at 11, so expecting it at 10 was futile. Stockport weren't all that, but ground us down. Doug Copestick says, bang, average. Decent to hold on for so long with 10, but we looked utterly toothless in attack. Defence looked a bit better. Only thing that made the game interesting was the shocking ref and his 10 cards season over. Josh says, ref, shit. Stockport, shit. Swindon, really shit. Fools rush in, say, red, clearly a major factor, but once again, we had plenty of time to react, adjust, and do something. Like most of our season, Effort, but not quality. Ten men or not, zero shots at home is not good enough, but that's just me. And we'll stick with Fools Rush in with Craig Dean saying, this game summed up our season, ascending off, lack of chances, poor defending, 
and playing at home. Thank you to everyone who sent stuff in. Don't have the time to read all of it out. But Dave, the big thing here is it's a game of opinions as the cliche goes. And a lot of people did not like that ref. I'm not having it. I don't think he was nearly as bad as what is implied. It wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination either, but yeah, it kept things interesting, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like we say, it's it's something to it's something to get you get you shouting at, I guess, and that's like because like we like we touched on, there would have been nothing to shout at um, without the ref. So it's something to get the the voices going, um, and a lot of the like I was saying, a lot of it, a lot of the stuff just sounds to be downhearted at how ineffectual we were going forward. And I think that's in, entirely valid. Um, my counter to that is, what what would we what what would, what could we have done differently? And I'm not sure there's an easy answer to that. I think it's just a reality. It's just a grim reality. Nine more games left. Five at home. Hooray! <laughs> ah, that's right. It'll be summer soon. No, no football this summer either. So. It's... Oh. Yes. Be a long, long one. No, it'd be fantastic. Uh, Man of the match, there were actually quite a few nominations. There were nods for Sol Brin, plenty for him, actually. Bruitt got a couple. Hepburn Murphy got a couple. Williams and McEachran getting a couple of nominations too. But the standout Man of the match from the listeners was Fraser Blake Tracy, who, I, I again, I can't really argue with that. No, I can't either. I think I think all of the um, defensive line did all right. Um Bruitt looked a lot more um, steady when there were two centre-backs alongside him. Um, I think Khan did all right and did some good running, but they all kind of tired after 70 minutes, and that's the story of the season. Um, we all always tire at that time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think I think Blake Tracy's a decent enough shout even if it was a stupid cross for the goal. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. When he is the standout man of the match, yeah, it con- contributes to th- to what loses the game. It tells you everything, really, you need to know. Hartlepool next. They're desperate to win. Looking forward to this one. Dave, thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. No worries. The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.